Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. Tomorrow, happy morning. Today's, uh, by the way, it's, uh, yeah, it's New Year's Eve. And... Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful sunny day here in West Australia. I just came back from the beach, and uh, tomorrow looks good for you guys. We all look up at the same sky, but the sky doesn't look the same from one person to the next when traveling across the world. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 563. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Frené Lesek, author-illustrator of Under the Southern Cross and Under the Milky Way. Frené has made many beautiful books, but it was Tracy Sorrell's debut picture book, We Are Grateful, Ojoli Haliga, in 2018 that really made me sit up and pay attention. Today, Frené brings two picture books about the stars, both sharing a U.S. publication date. Frené tours the northern skies over our United States in Under the Milky Way, highlighting different activities and occurrences that happen beneath the sky. In Under the Southern Cross, she turns to the southern skies and a series of stars that point to true south. There are tiny turtles scrambling down the beach, shooting stars, clouds of bats, nations coming together, and even a staircase of gold, and they are all visible beneath our skies. It's enough to make anyone want to get out at night and experience all that's going on in the world. Please welcome my guest, Frené Lesak, author-illustrator of Under the Southern Cross and Under the Milky Way. My name is Frené Lassac, and I'm here in West Australia. My name, Frené, rhymes with the word René, if you've always wondered how to pronounce it. And I'm the author and illustrator over quite a few books now. And today I'm here to talk to you about Under the Milky Way and Under the Southern Cross. And our paths crossed because of We Are Grateful, Ojali Haliga. Oh, I'm what so excited. What exceptional to- book. Oh. And I was 
fabulous book and it was fabulous meeting you in person at I was just going to say that never happens. I never get to meet people and I got to meet you and Tracy both. I know. And now I know exactly what you look like and I can recognize you in a big crowd. And (laughs) I'm quite tall. It's easy to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for doing what you're doing. I have, I'm now in my fourth library, but uh, I always going into new libraries. Um, look for those folks that I know, those folks that have been in my past collections, in my past schools. Um, And I'm at this new school this year. And sure enough, those books that I've known you for, those (laughs) from your past 40 books, um, there are some there and there are others that I get to bring in. I was reading, I don't know that I shared it on Twitter or Instagram, but I was reading um, The Children, We Are Grateful um, several weeks ago. But it was it was neat to be sharing that, knowing that we had this conversation planned. So I'm so glad that that it's come to fruition. I was sick, I was <laughs> struggling with email, but we're here now. <laughs> Yay! And I'm speaking to you from I'm speaking to you from the future. So from the future, yes. I love that. I never that never gets old to me. Whenever we <laughs> Skype in school with 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 folks from Australia or New Zealand or 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 anywhere over that direction. Um, it's so fun to know that you're in the future. Sometimes it's a bit um, weird because uh, with the Skype visit, I didn't realize was, I, I got the time change difference. And when the school classroom Skyped me, I was already in my pajamas and makeup off and everything. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I thought, I thought it was my dad Skyping me. It was all of a sudden like, oh, good morning, guys. <laughs> that's amazing yeah. well it is nighttime here as as i'm recording outside of baltimore maryland and um i was so grateful to have received review copies of these two books you have that just came out called under the milky way and under the southern cross one that takes place in the u.s the one that takes place in australia and it was nice to be able to look up at the stars to gaze at how we all look at the same sky, but the sky is a little different for all of us. Uh, And to be thinking of your books. That's what I love about the night sky or looking at the moon, even that we all can see that same night sky. Although interesting under the Southern cross, you can only see that constellation in the Southern hemisphere. So, but we'll talk a bit about that, um, that, the Milky Way, you can see everywhere in the world. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So what brought you to writing about the sky? Is this something that you've had on your mind for a while? I feel like it's that thing that it's always there, but it takes me off guard when we're out camping in the middle of the woods and suddenly it's a really clear night and you just can't help but stare at the sky. I think for me, it's curiosity. Sitting out yeah. there, just like you say, you're looking up at the sky and and especially in a clear atmosphere and you can just see how far it could go and you just wonder what's out there. And one night I was sitting outside with my husband, we're looking at the sky and uh, that Southern Cross constellation was there and he suggested, why don't I do a book a bit like all my other books? So I love nonfiction. I love uh, when a child picks up a book, not only do they enjoy the pictures, enjoy the story, that there's subliminal information there. And so I thought, what a great idea to see the night sky, different parts of the world, 
And um, so when a child will look up, not only will they see the constellations and the stars, but they'll get some information about it and always be curious to find out more. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years since the beginning of mankind, this is where the story started. They, uh, we looked up the sky and told stories around campfires and out hiking, but it helped the planting of the seasons of the crops. And it was such a big part of our lives. And then all of a sudden we started getting very internal indoors. And especially if you're in the city, you don't get to see that. Although if you're in the city, there's amazing apps now on uh, that you can download on phones and iPads and you could hold it up through the, the cloudiest sky and you could still see what's above you. What, what stars Isn't are there? That- isn't that the testament to technology oh. that people make apps like that, that you can still see the night sky, even when clouds are blocking it or the weather is preventing it or, mm. or the um, pollution, the light pollution is stopping you. Yeah. I've been to um, just quite a few international cities where the pollution is so bad. And then I show the kids the app and they're like, Oh, there is a sky out there and they could start pointing to constellations and, Hopefully, they'll take a field trip out of the city and and see it in person too, because that's that's what it's all about—is getting out there in nature too and being outside. Frenet, do you remember your earliest memory of of knowing a, a constellation? I remember growing up. It's I grew up outside New Jersey, and I used to go to Girl Scout camp up in the. Um, the, you know, Poconos and the Appalachians yeah. and also Appalachians and also up in um, upstate New York. And I used to camp out there and looking up at the stars and it was so big, so big. And I remember spotting the Big Dipper for the first time and learning about the North Star and how to find North. And uh, yeah, I do remember it fondly. And I, I still remember those those first few nights out there under the stars. Hmm. I remember Orion's belt and I remember being in like Cub Scouts or something that we were, we went to a planetarium. It was the first planetarium I'd ever been to. And they pointed out all these things and we walked outside and there you could see Orion's belt. And that just stuck with me. When did you move to Australia? Well, I moved to Australia probably over 30 years ago, but in between I lived, um, in a little island of Montserrat in the Caribbean. And that's where I created my very first book uh, based on my little island, Montserrat. And then I lived in London for seven years before moving to Australia. So it's been a few different countries around the world. And um, yeah, some great travels and books created from those places that I've lived. Can you remember first seeing the Southern Cross? Yeah. And um, it's an unusual constellation because... Um, it does it look like, like a, a shape. It looks like a melted Big Dipper. <laughs> <laughs> it does, and it's a very you, you. It's very. It always turns around. Sometimes it can be upside down, right side up, sideways. I, depending I saw what that in your book as well. Yeah. Ah. So, so initially, it's really hard to find. But once you know, basically, you have to know sort of where south is, and then once you know that, and you spot it, and you learn how to find south, which is explained in the book it's pretty simple once you know that's the southern cross that you make a long line between the two furthest points of the cross and then nearby these two pointer stars and you make a little line between them and 
now I'm all, it already probably sounds confusing, but it's really not. Uh, I'm better line, and you join them up, and straight down that is south. And that knowing where south is, you could turn around, and you know north is right behind you, and how mariners used it for thousands of years to navigate. And um, but I do remember sitting there and finding, figuring out how to find south using those stars. It's not unlike the shape of a kite because there is that cross shape in a kite and and those two pointer stars almost as if they were like the tail of the kite i thought Matthew, that was so interesting to brilliant. know i like that and i'm looking at it now it is like a kite well having never seen this constellation before i'm reading this book i'm reading under the southern cross going like is did she just misdraw the big dipper or am i picturing something like that wrong so it was one of just those weird experiences of even though our earth is rotating, I'm not seeing the full sky. Um, that even I, as a, as a man in his late thirties, I'm like, well, duh, I'm not seeing the full sky, but it's not something we really talk about. Is it? But I know. And I wish they called it the Southern kite. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have Southern kites when uh, they <laughs> named it, but, um, um, but no, we, we, we luckily all see the Milky Way, but we do um, all see the Milky Way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and, in in your book, in both books, you uh, hop around the country, both countries. In in under the Southern Cross, you're hopping around Australia, and under uh, the Milky Way, you're hopping around uh, the United States. And we're we're going around. Well, I guess in in it's more than in under the Southern Cross, it's more than that. But um, I wonder what made you choose those different locations? I guess what I'm trying to ask is what drove your research? What drove the way that you put these pieces together? We have um, one of my favorite pages in the Southern Cross book is uh, the text reads in Melbourne, Victoria, the ball is kicked, a goal is scored and the fans go wild under the Southern Cross. And we're looking at this stadium and there's uh, on each page, you have that, that guiding text uh, that can be read aloud quite easily uh, and narrate the entire book. But then you also have these captions throughout the illustrations, usually two or three, that uh, in this case reads, um, in 2017, the inaugural Women's Australian Football League team played its first season. It's just these moments that, that point to these facts about the world that if you are not from there are really cool facts to know. And I have to imagine that if you are from there, that's a point of pride as well. Yeah. Well, a lot of these facts, even people living in Australia don't know. And in fact, I learned so much in every page I do and both these books, I've learned so much. I mean, I'm a bit of like a goldfish though. The information goes in and I reread the book uh, the other night for the, again, and I think, wow, that's interesting fact. And I think, oh my goodness, I wrote that. I should know that. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So I know many of you have been listening for some time, and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go, and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read 
is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids, and we've bathed them, and we've sent them to bed, at the very end of the night, that's when I can read, and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So, thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I mean, the page you're just talking about now in Melbourne, that's a game called Australian Rules Football. And I don't know if you've ever seen it played, but it's the most incredible, fast-moving game. It's a combination of soccer and basketball. And it's a high-scoring and all-moving game. And, yeah, there's a women's team that just started national teams now in every state, which is fabulous. And... uh, and this is the big sport here in Australia, Australian rules football. And the, and the football shape like a football like we have uh, in America. Uh, and there are two goalposts, but they can't uh, – it's passed. It's hand-passed, uh, like you punch the ball to each other and you kick, kick it. And the rules are a lot different but worth watching. But on every page, as you said, uh, there's the interesting facts along with the opening line. And I think what's driven me here, but just like about how I'm curious about the night sky, is curious about places like in under the Milky Way, Salem, Massachusetts. Now, growing up in America, Halloween was always one of my most favorite holidays. So to learn more about the history of Halloween and trick-or-treating, I mean, how interesting is it that in the early days, the Celts, Celtic, it was a Celtic festival and they carved faces and turnips and potatoes and lit candles in them. I just find all these things such an amazing fact that the kids, I mean, just hear them running into their parents. Did you know? And then repeating what yeah. they just learned. And, and so about, back me up. No, back yeah. me up. Where did you, where do you get to narrowing down these locations? Did, did facts guide okay. you? Did, did what the sky looks like in those locations? I mean, I, I I understand that for some of these, I love in, in, um, the Southern cross, you have the, the, uh, loggerhead turtles nesting. There are things like that, that are events that happen that I think are so powerful. You've got, um, similarly in, in the Milky way, you've got, um, looking at, um, baseball games happening and, and, um, the fireflies flashing and, and these different, there's so many different things that are going on. Yeah. I think what I want to thoughtfully take us around the world. I think what I wanted to do is to do activities that children can actually do at nighttime. 
And so immediately when I got the idea, my husband was suggesting about this night sky book. And I thought right away, yes, love it. And I immediately wrote down inside five minutes later, a list of already 14 places that kids could do at night times, like the fireworks on New Year's Eve. There's early fireworks that kids could actually go to before midnight or, um, in Brisbane at nighttime, there's a gigantic Ferris wheel, and kids can go up there at nighttime and see the city lights. And at nighttime, families can go and watch the, the turtles hatching on the beach in Queensland and Monrepos. So, and camping to see the Aurora Australis, and the same thing with the Aurora Borealis and Milky Way. Activities that kids with their families can actually do that it's not, um, and things that are probably mostly that they could do without uh, any money as well, like prawn fishing on the river. You could go down there with a little net and scoop out prawns from the river here in Perth where I live. Um, or to go see the bats in Austin, Texas. The you bats? Can, I've seen the bats. Yeah, how cool are the <laughs> but, bats? But it's that experience exactly, Frenet, that it was, I've done this one thing. And it made me think, my experience with this, with with being a teacher that works with children, young children, I immediately thought, in the classroom, there's this power of of the message that we all look at the same sky and that we're all doing things under the same sky. But the thought, too, that as my students travel to visit family, to uh, maybe move over around the country if their family has a different job or to go on vacation, the fact that you could read this book and go, wait, we're going to a a place that I, I know this was mentioned in this book. We could do this thing. Do this and the thing. more so, you're making a travel guide for nighttime activities. It's exactly. so great. For families and for children that can get outside and see some of these places. And that I had to <laughs> I had to be careful because some things that were like 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking, nah, oh. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> like I, I tell kids about the fireworks on New Year's Eve and uh, they're – there's an early show for for kids at 9 p.m., uh, but there's the main show's at midnight. I said, guys, listen, there is a show tonight, you know, on New Year's Eve at 9 p.m., but don't let it fool you. There is also the big show at 12 p.m., so, you know, tell your parents you want to stay up. <laughs> That's right. Well, and you also have, as kids are traveling across Australia or the U.S., the time is changing. So if it works out to your advantage, like <laughs> I know when I travel places, uh, my kids never want to go to bed. They're so excited. But here are some things that we can do. Why don't we go look for stuff to yeah. do at night? Because you're you're wired. My favorite thing I have to say in both of the books, the thing that I thought this is now going to become a life goal for me to do is that in Milky Way, you're going to guess what I'm saying, like as I'm saying it, you have on the Indian River Lagoon, Florida. The text reads, paddling through star-filled water, neon droplets explode in the ripples under the Milky Way, and the photoplankton, or the, the, the bioluminescent plankton during certain seasons makes the river glow? Oh, my word, I want How to go there right now. How much fun is that? And then the comb jellies, the other part of the year, so... The bioluminescence yes. is so cool. See, you asked before, and it's a really good question. How did I choose places? Well, I experienced the bioluminescence when I lived in California. I went to university out there, and I lived on the beach in Malibu. Worked three jobs to be able to afford to do that, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> I would get the, the beach would wash up with bioluminescence, bioluminescence creatures, and 
So that was a hard one, you know, California Beach or Florida Lagoon. And now I've gone to most of the places in the book, um, but not wow. all of them, not all of them. So a lot of times if I can't go to the place, then I'm in their deep research. I'm calling experts. So like the one with the Mon repost with the turtles, I, well, I know I did go there, but even backing up, even if I do go to a place, I talk to park rangers. I get every book out possible, and I'm on the internet, and I'm. I have to triply check every fact I put in, like the one in uh, under the Southern Cross with the penguins uh, waddling up the beach, heading for the dunes. That, you, know, you know, you get these little fairy penguins, and you could go actually watch them come ashore and nestling in the dunes there, but. Because it's under the Southern Cross and it happens like dusk, I had to make sure you could see the Southern Cross constellation. Is it dark enough yet at that point that you are still going to see the constellation? So, of course, I spoke to the people down there with the penguins and they said, yes, we could see the Southern Cross. And, oh, thank goodness, verified. Wow. A lot of other places that I couldn't put in the book are I couldn't uh, put in because of um, copyright, like the baseball game. I wanted to do uh, what's the famous stadium in Chicago? You probably know better than me. Or um, it, uh, I'm going to speak out of turn and be wrong because I don't know all the things. <laughs> it's not Shea Stadium, is it? <laughs> no, but that's okay because if I want, even if I want to be wrong, Shea, but Shay, I would. <laughs> <laughs> say, look at me. I don't even know the stadium name, but it's just say I want to use Shea Stadium. But I have to get permission from Shea Stadium, and all that uh, uh, publisher said to me, "Look, just don't worry. Do something local, which I think works out much better. Uh, just a neighborhood baseball game than you're going for a big stadium." Yeah, because then that, it can be, then it yeah. can be a, a neighborhood game or a a, a, a local like double A AA or triple A team. Yeah, but interesting, like even with Under the Southern Cross at 11th Hour, they, I had to get permission from um, a lot of the places in the book, is it okay, I've painted where the scene takes place, like the Sydney Harbor Bridge and the fireworks and the Sydney Opera House. I had to send them an email, do you mind And if I put it in the book? Um, the MCG, Melbourne Cricket Ground, where that football game is that you spoke about, can I put that in my book? Uh, funny enough, there's a scene at nighttime, children watching a uh, movie in Deck Chair Theater in Darwin. You sit outside, possums come down and steal your picnic basket. But on that, <laughs> it's and bats fly overhead. And that's part of the charm of going there. But on the screen, I had uh, ET playing, and the publisher said, "You better check with Universal Pictures. It's okay." And they said, "Sure, you can have ET playing, but you just have to pay thousands of dollars every year." So instead, I painted my dog Banjo going to the moon in a rocket ship on the screen. But that gave me an idea. <laughs> and every page, I've hidden my dog Banjo somewhere in the scene. Now, some places he cannot be, like in the national parks or on the lagoon when they're kayaking in Florida. So they might, you might spot him on a little album, like on her sleeve or in the or in the national park, maybe on a T-shirt or something. Uh, yeah, so there you that go. That is wild. Oh, my word. This is like in, in We Are Grateful, you working in the bird on all the pages. But <laughs> the in this to know that – The woodpecker. But in this to know that there's rules that, no, 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 I can't – my dog's not allowed to go there. So yeah, you'll see the dog yeah. appear on a shirt or on a logo. Now I'm seeing it. 
That's so yeah. wonderful. Also, altitude. There's a place where the altitude's too dangerous for the dog, so he couldn't go there. But I did sneak him in in Nome, Alaska, on the dog sled. He's one of the husky dogs pulling the dog sled. Uh, so I don't know if anybody will notice that he's not a sled dog. But anyway, there he goes. He got in. But that's really interesting to know, too, um, that uh, to have the rights to show something that we may feel is... is Iconic, I know. ...more I'm... publicly welcome or iconic. Like, I get that... Okay, so E.T. is 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 film, and it's... I, I get it. But that you couldn't show the Sydney Opera House without making sure you had permission or that you couldn't yeah. show. I almost were waiting I, for you to yeah. say there were certain locations you couldn't show because it might sort of compromise where this thing happens. But I had a, I had a really list. Secret. I had a list of places and they all got ticked off that I couldn't do them because of um, uh, publishing, getting permissions. I'm sure I would have gotten the permissions in the end, but in the end I'm really happy with um the, the alternatives. So I think it's more family oriented this way. So, yeah, I think they're very, I, I think the, the book itself, I never would have even known. Um, yeah. I thought the books were, were both so wonderfully done. Did they, they're both, they both came out at the same time here in the U S did they both come out at the same time in Australia? No. In fact, under the Milky Way just came out this week here and under the Southern cross came out last year in uh, Australia. So, so we're getting them at the same time, or we're getting time. we're getting the Milky Way like a worldwide <laughs> release, I suppose. But uh, yeah, wonderful. And there's, there's also a scene in Canada. I would have loved to have done more places in Canada, but uh, Toronto's in there, and uh, so Toronto happy. is in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the CN Tower is pictured too. It's really wonderful, <laughs> and it's very crooked, isn't it? <laughs> that's, my, that's my naive painting and my perspective. I just. Sometimes things just go a bit wobbly, and right, I don't can see it. What What does creating art look like for you? Do you work from sketches into? I I I believe that all of your work is traditional medium, correct? Yes, um, known today as an analog painter. I, analog painter, I like yes, that. Yes, yes. I I don't know how to use any of the digital stuff. Everyone shows me or time and time again. I go three steps forward, nine steps backwards, whatever. But it's all hands with my paint and my brushes. And uh, I think I could do just as fast as someone using it like on a Photoshop correcting stuff. Because uh, I could just paint in layers. And if I don't like a color... I could just change the background by painting over it with the gouache paints that I use. But mm. I've always painted in this naive, primitive style. I never went to art school. I'm so self-taught. And a lot of times I'll paint something and and uh, people say, well, that looks really weird. And I can't see the weirdness that the arm is coming out of the side of the head by accident or <laughs> I have no You're kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> I I've never, I've never learned perspective, and and um, I could try doing shadows, I guess, but it's so far so good. And uh, I've always worked in the same medium and in the same process. In fact, the first ten books I ever did, they didn't even at, publishers didn't even ask me for dummies. The, here was the manuscript, and I just went and painted the book. But wow, as some, you're kidding? Yeah, no, no dummies, just painted the books. And now though. Um, 
I think it's things, times have changed. So yeah, it's definitely I have to do dummy. In fact, I had one of my books on display, all the original artwork and, um, and, a, and a gallery. And they said, where are the preliminary sketches? I said, the what? They said the preliminaries, you know, the sketches you did before. I said, the what? And they had explained to me. So I ran home and quickly did the sketches. I went back and said, here they, here they <laughs> are. The Afterwards. You did the sketches after the final <laughs> art. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I learned what preliminary sketches were. Do you do, um, as you're, and this could differ from book to book, but do you, find that you will make a dummy for a book to look at what the different compositions as you, as you go through the book will look like. I found again in both of these books and in we are grateful, especially that you have a really great control over changing the setting, changing the scenery. You give us um, busy activities and then quiet moments. And it was the same in, in um, those three books that we, we are given uh, there's always a lot for the eye to process and take in, but the the energy captured in each moment is is different. Yeah. Um, well, now that I do preliminary sketches or thumbnails as, uh, <laughs> so as well, I've learned how to do them. Um, I used to just go, well, the very first, I just painted it. Now I think I sketch something and I think, well, how else can I also do this? And so I'll do two or three little thumbnails and figure out which one, might be work the best and then I'll do it full size and I also learned that sometimes you need some quiet moments on the page somewhere to rest the eye because I love the detail I love putting in all that fine stuff so when children read the pick up the book a second or third time they discover new things and working alongside Tracy Sorrell on We Are Grateful Ojali Haliga and also we have a new book we're working on uh, the sketching and the the, those those drafts were so vital for us creating that book together for cultural authenticity and for um, just making sure we had everything in there. And yeah, so it's, um, it's a, I just, I think that part of the research and the sketching before to me, the prelims are my most favorite part of creating the book. That's, because I'm, I'm learning so that, much. Yeah. I'm glad mm-hmm. that 40 books in, you're having fun. You're learning new techniques. I, quite frankly, am grateful for the voice you have as an artist and to know that um, you have continued to lean into to the way that you have learned how to make art and the way that your voice and your style has um, asserted itself. Because I think that it is a unique voice uh, and you make quite beautiful books. And I was so excited when Tracy shared, I think it was over Twitter or something, mm. the announcement the, uh, that a sequel would be made for We Are Grateful, O oh, Julie Haliga. I'm, I know you're hard at work at that, oh, but uh, I know so that cr- the sketches many, many incredible. of us are excited. Oh, right. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yay, yay, yay. Well, um, I want to thank you for setting time aside during your morning and during my evening to chat. This was really great, Vernay. And oh, I, thank, I you. thank you for giving me good reason to look up at the night sky again. Oh, thank you, Matthew, so much. And we can both look up at the sky at the dusk or dawn and see the same thing, perhaps. We'll try that sometime. Yeah, the moon going How down, I can that? see the moon, and we'll both see the same time. That's so cool. Well, Um, let's do this. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? 
always be curious. Just when you look at a book, maybe think about maybe one day you might even write a book. And sometimes books uh, lead you on places you might never realize you might be going. And and it's not just about uh, reading about things that you already know. It's about fun discovering new things and ideas and it will you'll help create your own work and art and appreciation of reading the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me matthew winner in my library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.